I'm Corrine. And I'm Cameron. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to A Conversation, Conversation Between Women. All right. Welcome back to another Conversation Between Women. Hello, Corrine. Hi, Cameron. How goes it this morning? This morning it's going, I feel like it's going particularly well. There's been a lot of ease, which has been really nice. Do you feel that Um, lately that there's been a lot of ease, like just these last few days that there's been a lot of like synchronicity or, or maybe ease or just good, good stuff happening? Um, let's see. Today's Tuesday. Well, I feel like what I've experienced is a shift of awareness in myself, which maybe is just me aligning with the energetics of the universe. But, um, I have felt, I felt like a I actually remember that we were had this conversation that we were talking about something like this, like in March, I think and we were, we were both saying how like, wow, it just feels like the universe is here to support us. Just like all that stuff that felt so sticky and hard. And now it's just like, everything's going. There's sort of, I guess, maybe a piece of that where it feels like the energy that I'm focusing on or working on in myself is it's um, unfolding much more easily inside of me. Um, than it has in the past, like, like thought patterns or thought forms or intentions that I would try to hold in myself. Like, it feels like they're, they're just more willing to just relax and be at peace within me and like, and hang out versus me feeling like I constantly have to remind myself, like keep pulling myself out of the mud kind of. So yeah, I guess. And that's, that's definitely been the last handful of days, maybe. Yeah. In spite of some tricky external circumstances too. Yeah. I've had like a really interesting last like 10 days, I would say. Like, so Sunday we went to, we were invited to this um, melon cutting party and- um, Melon cutting party? Melon cutting party. They had, they had, um, what are those things called? They had like those Japanese swords and like throwing stars and like all kinds. I mean, it was like serious. It was like a crazy watermelon, like cutting party. It was hilarious. And they, it was oh, wow. at this winery that's near here. And we thought it was going to be like a public thing, but it turned out it was just like this intimate thing with just like 20 people or something and a few kids. And um, it was just, it was the most beautiful night ever and with the best food like we all grilled out and brought food and just it was so nourishing and it's the first time I've had a party in Ohio um that I didn't throw that where I felt like fulfilled like I was like wow I think Mm -hmm. I actually made some real friends like we had like real conversations about you know deep stuff and so that was really cool and then Monday I went to do our CSA pickup with um with Sam my partner and um I don't usually go this like I haven't been going at all this year and so this is the first time I've gone and I met one of our CSA customers and she is like an energy healer and was like this totally amazing woman and I had this great conversation with her about like um healing and um how perfect we are as humans and this is just this whole beautiful thing that I haven't been able to have with anybody here like since you left (laughs) like in this place like 
somebody who really got it, you know? And so it was really cool. And so I was like, wow, okay, maybe this is it. Like, I'm actually going to make like friends here, like people who are, because I've been saying this to myself for a long time. Like, I just want to have like peers or people who I can really connect with. I want, and this woman was an older woman. And I was like, I want a wise older woman. Cause I don't know any older people here. All the people I keep meeting are all younger than me. So I'm like the old maid <laughs> and that's fine. I've realized that maybe that's just where I'm at, but I'm used to all of my friends being mm. um, at least five years or older than me. And so I get like a lot of wisdom from them. And so um, I'm, I've really been missing that, that experience of having, especially older women around me. So that was really nice. And then like last week, totally insane. Like, I guess there was a hammer of Thor, which yeah. don't ask me what that means, but I get, you know, it kind of is self-explanatory, whatever astrological thing that is, there was a hammer of Thor. And I was pretty convinced on Wednesday, it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for me. I was pretty convinced on Wednesday that my daughter was actually the hammer of Thor. <laughs> like she was the hammer of Thor. And so mm -hmm. I just told Sam, like we were just looking at each other, like what is going on? And I just told him, I said, I'm pretty sure she is actually the literal hammer of Thor that this astrologist is talking about because she was just, I don't even know, completely batshit crazy. And, um, but I, it was great because I had to figure out some new ways to be with her, which, really opened me up and it opened her up in a new way. And, um, yeah, so it was all good, but it was definitely intense. <laughs> so it's been interesting, interesting hmm. last 10 days or so. And I, I love how we always have some very overlapping <laughs> experience. Um, cause I was thinking about my daughter. So we're, we're doing some work with a woman here who she's a home, she, um, she's a homeopathic practitioner, but she also does other things, which I guess are, I mean, homeopathy is energy-based, but I guess other, other versions of energy work, sound healing and stuff. Um, and I, we've just been seeing her and um, one of the protocols or treatments or therapies that she does, um, there's a period afterwards where you may see a return of old symptoms and so you sort of watch for that um and then well my thinking is that you do the therapy you see how the effect is you watch for the return of old symptoms and then like once that passes then like you can do it again and so we this therapy was like oh my god this is amazing this is working so well like it's helping in all these different ways and we were riding it out for like I don't know, four or five days maybe. And then one morning, it was like, like Thursday morning, I think. I'm like, who are you and what just happened? <laughs> and, then I, and then it clicked. It's like, oh, right. This is the return of old symptoms. And so I was able to like laugh it off and, um, and, and like be with it in a different way than I had been when that was just like the way of life. Um, like when those symptoms were constantly presenting and, and well, and then I like was in an exchange with this woman around it and she was like, yeah, usually they only last about seven to 10 days. And I was like, wait a minute, what? I thought this was going to be like one day. And then I realized like, okay, so what do I do when the symptoms return? And I was thinking about it, um, driving, 
back home, I left my daughter at my boyfriend's house and, and driving back home to do this podcast this morning, I was thinking about it and was thinking how I, um, like kind of the way I left things there, knowing that she's sort of still in this return of old symptoms process and it can be kind of challenging um, with anyone, but with people, especially people who are not me, who are like, don't really know what it is or how to handle it. Right. Um, and, and I was thinking, I was just like processing through the whole experience. Like, so how I used to relate to this didn't work. And we had such a great ease when like the therapy was working. And so now we're returning to something old, but this old symptom expression is still part of the healing process. So like, I don't need to get attached to it in the way that I was before, where I was like, these things are never going to stop happening. This is never going to end. Like I can look at this as temporary and know that this is just part of the healing process that sometimes like these things express again to be released, but then thinking like, I don't know how to release these. Um, so just what you're saying about having to be creative and figuring out how to handle you know, different ways of being. Um, so I was, I just, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I feel all scatterbrained around this, but I was thinking about all of this in the context of how I left things when I left of like, okay, you need to do this and you need to do this and he's in charge and blah, blah, blah. Like this is the way it needs to be while I'm gone. And I realized while driving home that like that, that never works in the way that I wanted to. Mm. And I've been doing that for years. And it's because I have the expectation that there are going to be problems and because there often are problems. But what I realized in the process is that that doesn't allow for me like to trust my boyfriend and like the fact that he's a parent and he's fully capable of like figuring out how to handle yeah. this. Yeah. And um, trusting like her inner guidance to be able to navigate the situation while I'm not there and trusting the other kids to be able to navigate this and handle this. And like they do, and they've been together for like two days now and they've worked through things and been fine. Um, but the other piece was that like, I always think about it in the context of like my creative problem solving. And it never occurred to me until I was driving home that she also has that capacity within her. Mm -hmm. And when she's stressed, she's not going to have access to that higher self that has the creative solutions to her own problems. And if I'm like, this is how it needs to be. And this is what I want you to do. That's going to put her in a state of stress. And so she's going to get shut down and not be able to handle things with ease as they come. And, and I realized, I just realized like that I don't, I don't handle her lightly. Like as I see some parents do where it's like they can be playful with their kids and stuff. And I have just wanted to just like be myself and be like, but this is who I am. And this is how I talk. Like I talk very matter of factly to her about things and like explain things and like there's pros and cons to all of it. But um, realizing that that sort of um, way of being with her would create more space and ease so that she could access like I've just been, I've been taking the onus on of all of this. Like it's all me that I have to figure out how to access my creative genius to figure out the pro you know, creative problem solving things for this. 
when really like it's a co-creation between the two of us and she needs to be able to access that part within herself. And if she always feels like things are very heavy, she's not going to access that either. Um, but I had this thought while driving. So <laughs> my boyfriend bought her and her and his son who are like BFFs, the same Beanie Baby lizards at this, <laughs> this store yesterday that I was like, I'm not buying those. And somehow that happened. So they have these like twin lizards and it's cute. And they're like having, they're having so much fun playing with them and they have names and they like do all these things. But I was thinking driving home, like, oh, wouldn't it have been awesome? Cause they were going to go for a long hike and I knew she wasn't going to be super down with that. It's like, wouldn't it have been awesome if I was like, hey, your lizard needs, like Lizzie needs to understand these woods. Like she's never been here and you have to introduce her to all of the trees and all the plants and you have to show her things so that she knows where she is so she feels welcome and at home or something like that. And I was like, God, I didn't do that. And now it's going to bubble. And I, you know, and so I'm like, okay, maybe I can telepathically like send this energy. <laughs> but then I also realized um, like that I can actually yeah. do that yeah. that whatever energy that was left in that space isn't fixed and finite and it doesn't have to stay that way and i can like hold the consciousness of like everybody has this creative genius inside of them and they can all come up with creative solutions to their problems and it can all be fun and awesome and maybe if i just put energy on that solution as a possibility they will all somebody will like it'll be beeping out there and somebody from that household will like tap into it or latch onto it or it'll occur to somebody in their own way. Like that's how all these inventions happen all over the world. Like it's the collective right. consciousness. Like if I can throw something into the collective consciousness and then just try to like send it that way, like it probably works. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does work. I had this, yeah. it's interesting because I had this, you know, my mom, I'm getting ready to have this baby in a couple months. And my mom was like, I'm going to come up there in like a month before the baby comes and just be there for like six months or something. And, and, uh, you know, I want my mom to be here in the postpartum period, but I was just like, no, no, that, that ain't going to work for me. And I, so I just like, I was kind of like, well, I don't want to hurt her feelings, but I really don't want her to be here before the baby comes or like, cause I don't want my mom to know that I'm in labor. And I mm. like, that's what we did with Walayla too. Like, I don't want her to know that I'm in labor or anybody to know for that matter for like a day or two after I have the baby, because I don't want that, mm -hmm. that consciousness, right? Cause if she, she, one of her things is, well, I'll come there and I'll go stay with Sam's parents when you go into labor and I'll just be there. And then I'll come back after the baby comes. And I was like, yeah, but you're going to be over there. Like, what's happening texting sam like all this craziness like tell me what's going on is the baby okay like you know stressing sam out and this whole thing and i'm just like i i honestly just can't do that mom like i'll call you as soon as the baby comes and you can come here but it's that same thing of like mm -hmm. throwing out that and especially mothers and children and i think mm -hmm. especially mothers and daughters like we can do this throwing that out there that consciousness out there and so yeah like you can just hold that space that they know exactly what to do and then it's all going to be perfect and they're going to have their own experience and maybe there's hiccups along the way and that's okay because that's how they're going to learn each other like if everything's perfect between her and your boyfriend or her and her and his kid that's you know, her best friend if everything's perfect all the time that's not a real relationship you know so like it's a pretty shallow relationship right and yeah. better that like your that your boyfriend like gets to deal with it and see with it so they can start early working out you know yeah. because there's always going to be 
troubles. I mean, she's not even yeah. a teenager yet. So like, <laughs> what if you all are together when she's a teenager and like, you know, there's all these teenager things going on oh, God. Um, and he's going to have to deal with that. So better now than later. And mm-hmm. yeah, we can just hold that, hold that space. One of the things, like the big thing that I keep learning with my daughter and that I learned last week is, um, you know, she gets in these and it's been really persistent this year. Um, I don't know if it's because she turned four because I'm pregnant or because of both of those things or whatever changes here. Um, she's just been really, really persistent about what she wants and very adamant, like very pestery. So she literally does things like, I want oatmeal. I want oatmeal. I want oatmeal. I want oatmeal right now. I want oatmeal right now. And I'll be like, I need to rest for five minutes and then I will get you oatmeal. I want oatmeal now. I won't, you know, I mean, this will go on for like an hour if I, because we're both so stubborn. I'm like, I'm not doing it if you're acting like that. And it, and you know, I'm like, I'll eventually say go upstairs and like annoy your dad. And so she comes up and does the same thing to him. And he's just like, I'm not getting it for you. You know? So it's this whole crazy thing. And that's what it really was last week is just this intense mm. pestering. And for me, I'm so stubborn. On, we're having some internet issues. Is it messing up? I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you started cutting out, but it, okay. Is it back now? Well, for yeah. me, like I, because I'm so stubborn as well, like I don't want to feed that behavior. So I'll just be like, yeah. nope, not going to happen. Like you're never having oatmeal again that's it. Like I'm going to feed you carrots, (laughs) you know, like I'll just be like a jerk about it. But what I did, it was when I saw it happening with her dad, I was able to get this perspective because they were upstairs and I was downstairs. Mm -hmm. I was able to get this perspective of being outside of it and being down there and like feeling the escalation happen between them. And then just being able to take some deep breaths. And I thought, I just thought, what can I do right now that's helpful? Like, what can I do that's helpful? And so I called her and asked her to come downstairs and she was like, I won't do it. I'm not going down there ever. <laughs> like just very, it's just kind of hilarious, but cause she's so sweet. And it's just like, I, you know, it's I know. Just funny. I can't like really take it seriously. So I just come upstairs and I grab her and I pick her up and I'm, you know, I'm like, we're going to go downstairs. And my big thing is I always send her outside when she's acting a fool. Like she just has to go outside because that always sets her right. And so Um, I carried her while she was, you know, crying and whatever, being all emotional. And I took her outside and I just sat on the porch with her and I just held her and she didn't want me to hold her. She was like kind of wiggling, pretending to escape me or whatever. But, you know, I knew she wasn't, (laughs) she really wanted to be held. So it was like, I just pulled her in closer and I keep getting this lesson in our relationship of just pulling her in closer instead of doing what I do, which is like, get out of here, just pulling her in closer And when I do that, and I think Gordon Newfield in his, one of his books, um, he talks about this with kids. He says, getting in their space in a friendly way. And Mm -hmm. um, instead of, because most of the time adults are in their space in a not friendly way. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to, I was like thinking about that as I was doing that, just like trying to be friendly and get in her space in a friendly way. And I just held her for a while while she, you know, went through the whole thing of like why she needed this and why all this stuff. And then it's so interesting what happens is like she started just opening up and articulating exactly what she was experiencing. And one of these times that it happened, um, 
she actually hit me and I got really upset with her and I was like five alarms, you know, I was like, um, and so later on she came to me and she said, I'm sorry that I hit you mom. And I'm not ever going to do that again. And I was like, all right, well, I really don't want to fight with you. Like, I don't want to have those kind of interactions with you. Like, I just need for you to be patient when I need to take a break and rest. Like I'm really tired. I need to take five minutes and you have to be patient. And she just went into this whole thing, just saying, you know, mom, when I'm hungry, I ask you for food. I need you to get me food because I'm hungry. And just like telling me, and I was like, oh, right. You know, like maybe she really can't wait five minutes. She really needs food. And so I was like, well, what, I don't know what we do because I really need five minutes because I'm so exhausted just because of being pregnant. So, you know, then that led to this whole thing of like having snacks ready and like making sure that there's always snacks ready that she can grab or just telling her what she can go get in the moment. Um, but yeah, it was this really nice experience and it helped me to realize like she is articulate and she can say what her needs are. She can say what the problem is if you just sit down with her and give her the space to do that. And that's what I've been teaching her this whole time. Like ever since she was a baby, I would say, do you need some attention or do you what like tell her what her I thought her needs were or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And um so it's like she knows what her needs are. Mm -hmm. I just have to create the space for her to share those needs instead of creating the space for her to be a butthole and like being totally pestery, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah, it's so interesting. And it's back to, you know, it's like leadership and not being a victim and mm. all that stuff that I have to, mm. that I have well, to really more fully step into all the time. Well, it makes me think again of that book, um, hunt, gather parent. Um, because she talks about like what she was teaching her daughter to do like at bedtime, for instance, she was like, what are we practicing right now? I'm practicing getting angry and she's practicing taking off all our clothes and running around like a crazy person. <laughs> like she's, you know, like, what are we, what are we working on and what are we teaching each other? And, um, and then when she was in, I think it was when she was in Tanzania, she was um, talking to some of the people in the tribe were talking. They, I think they nicknamed her wait a bit. There was some other name for it, but it's like it translated to wait a bit because she was always like jumping in too soon. And so like in the nighttime experience, getting ready for bed, like she would just come in and intervene and like start yelling and be like, you have to stop doing this. You have to calm down now and get on your PJs and stop running around, you know, the whole thing. And so, so the, the learning was like, wait a bit, which is give, give time, give space, allow them to like step into it and unfold into something else versus this like reactive response that they will get into with us. Um, and that has been really helpful for me too, because I have, I have all these moments now where I, there's like an extra beat where I take a conscious extra minute where I'm like, I want to say something and I'm going to just stop right here and wait. And it's like my whole body, I can feel my, it's like my, I can feel my whole nervous system. Like, like the, it's like the cat, like ready to pounce on the mouse or like, you know, but you're like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to yeah. wait. I'm going to wait. And you just, and then eventually, you either relax into it enough or they step in and, 
and offer so that you feel like, you know, it's, it's reinforcing for the, that new behavior. But, but every time I've done that, I have a very positive experience. Like whatever eruption would have taken place doesn't take place. And, and she may step up and step into the space and offer something totally unexpected, like you're saying with, you know, like really being able to express something. Um, and, and I realized like I was sort of setting the scene for my boyfriend before I left this morning and driving home was thinking about that and thinking, like I see, I can already see like patterns of behavior that he has that are being triggered by her and like that, like patterns of interactions that they, I mean, it's not nothing set. It's, you know, it hasn't been long enough for these things to really establish themselves, but um, just seeing, you know, ways of interacting, like you're saying where you see Sam starting to get into it. Like I, like this is helping me get some perspective on it too. And like the words of wisdom or advice or whatever ridiculous thing I was telling him, I'm driving home thinking like, right, that's actually all it is. Like just speak softly and gently and be like how, like the softer that I can be with her, the better it is. And it has nothing to do with like, oh, she's doing this thing and I don't like this behavior and I'm not going to support it. And I refuse and blah, blah, blah. Like, like, no, actually the whole point is not about training. It's about being, and it's about softness in me. And it's like all of my meditations that I've been doing lately and what I was saying at the beginning, where it feels like the universe is supporting these energies and sort of holding. It's like what I'm practicing inside of myself is strength and softness. And just seeing that, that, that's, that the softness is such a huge part of this. Um, because like she, my daughter just is ready. She's like ready with hardness around her on all sides. And so I'm never going to get anywhere with hardness. I like just have to soften and soften and soften and soften. And it's like we had in one of our podcasts, we were talking about, I think we were talking about patience actually. And you're like, do you teach patience with patience or do you teach patience by meeting the need immediately so that they trust that their needs will be met. So over time they become patient because they have trust, you know, just different, like a different nonlinear way of relating to the experience. Right. Yeah. 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 It's really, it really is. I mean, it's a much more feminine approach, I think just mm. um, kind of circling around it. And mm -hmm. instead of, you know, and I can do this really like linear, like cut to the point, get right in there. And, you know, I can just get right to that. And it is useful in some instances, like when we have to go somewhere or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. when we are on a whatever timeline, but for the most part, it's not really useful. <laughs> for the most part, it just creates, like you're saying, more hardness and being like opening up and being soft and even being like vulnerable with, with my daughter is just, it is really challenging because my mom, that's her way was just like, I remember her saying, I don't know what happened to you when you were 12 years old, but you just shut me out. Like you stopped saying you loved me. You just shut me out. Mm -hmm. And 
she put that on me, right? <laughs> and I'm an adult and she's telling me this and in one of our like kind of argument things or whatever. And I'm like thinking to myself afterwards, like, but you're my mom. Like there should be no way that I shut you out. Like you come, you come and open me up. Like that's your job as my mom. Right. And yeah. mm-hmm. I think about that with my daughter, whenever I'm doing this and like, she's shutting me out. It is, I understand my mother's perspective. It is painful to be mm-hmm. shut out of your child's, you know, force field, their life, whatever their feelings, it's painful to be shut out. And that doesn't mean we then also shut them out and like yeah. push them farther away or put up a wall ourselves to protect ourselves. And um, yeah, so learning that has been really interesting for me. Okay. Yeah. So learning not to, um, not to do that, like, meet a wall for a wall it's a, you know that saying like an eye for an eye whatever makes the whole, makes world, the whole blind. world blind it's yeah. kind of the same thing like a wall for a wall just makes walls everywhere <laughs> yeah so it just boxes you in really and it's there's so many less options for where to go because yeah. I, I can just feel myself getting harder and harder and it's it doesn't feel good and that's not what i want and yeah, yeah so I think I've spent, I've spent most of my daughter's life more in my masculine linear energy, if we're equating those things. Um, and, or even if we're not, I was in more of a masculine energy and I was in more of a linear way of operating. Um, and so I really struggled a lot because operating in that way makes it so that what you are working with is what's before you. And so like if she's doing a particular behavior that I don't like, then I feel like I have to combat that behavior and I'm in resistance to that behavior. And, um, and like certain behaviors that my daughter does. And I think other kids do like, there are certain behaviors where you're like, this just has to stop right now. I cannot handle this in any way. Like you just have to stop doing this. And, and I think those are the times when, um, it's definitely the hardest, but I think that if you, I would guess, and I feel like I've experienced this, that like, again, if you have established the trust that like the needs will be met, that you're there and that you're not tracking like all the behaviors and trying to change all the behaviors, but you're just like interacting with the child as a whole, that there will be times where certain behaviors have to stop. But when you draw that line, that line will be respected. And I think what happens in our relationship between my daughter and me is that I've tried to, to like put full stops to so many things that it's like, she just ignores those things now. Like it's there, it has no power. And so then those behaviors multiply and divide and it's just like, then they're everywhere. And so then the triggers are just constant because like nothing will stop and there's no receptivity. And so then I end up in, I've ended up in a place of like, I'm just surrounded by triggers and, um, 
and like I can't get anywhere with this because nothing goes in, nothing changes, doesn't matter what I do, blah, 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 blah. And so shifting the approach to being more like just more and more and more, I'm putting my focus and my consciousness, my awareness on my, on the energetics behind things and on my intentions. And, and it's really more, um, like, I feel like for a while I was working with that, but still with the desired outcome of like these behaviors changing or these interactions changing versus just really coming more and more home to a place in myself of like, this is just who I want to be. I want to hold this line in myself regardless. I want to be strong and soft in this place always, regardless of the circumstances. And I was listening to this podcast um, a couple days ago, and they were talking about the Ho'oponopono prayer, the I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you, in whatever order you want to say those. And I realized that um, that that's kind of what it is for me, like something where I can recognize like all the all the complex pieces of our dynamics and our relationship and of my relationships with other people and recognize that there there are all those pieces like there's the piece where i've wronged and i'm sorry there's the piece where you've wronged and uh, or that i've wronged and i want forgiveness and then there's the piece where like you've offered and i can express gratitude and then there's the love and um and then there's I mean, lots of different, like what the woman who was talking about it was saying, like, there's in the, I'm sorry, there's also like, I'm sorry, please forgive me to myself for like creating this situation that is so hard for both of us, you know? So I'm realizing that, that being able to just hold, like have, have something to go to that isn't directly related to the situation in any way. But like, if I'm in a struggle with her to close my eyes and go into that prayer and just offer something to the energetics of the space and the situation and the energetics between us because I can't get anywhere else with anything else. Like I, I'm not, I'm not tapped into anything else if I'm just focused on the specific interactions that are happening. Yeah. That I was thinking when you were saying how you've been in a, like this linear masculine minded mindset or whatever for most of the your mothering um that it's kind of you know that's what i like about i always talk about the middle path and that's what i like about it is that there's so much more so many more options available when you're not here or there right and so it's kind of the same thing with thinking about that like thinking about it um you know if we're going to talk about the feminine or whatever or just this circular way of being or just this creating spaciousness um, for ourselves and for our kids, for there to be so many other possible outcomes than the way that it's been before. Mm -hmm. And, um, that to me is pretty challenging because I can get, you know, like most people, I can get pretty set in my ways of like seeing something and oh, I know how that's going to turn out, you know, and mm -hmm. I can see it out in the world out there. And like, that's how I know how that's going to turn out. And I can do that in my own personal life. And, um, Instead of just, you know, I don't really know. Instead of just being open and having the spaciousness to say, okay, this is how it's turned out before. Maybe it'll be different. Or even just not even saying that, just letting it 
unfold how it's going to be, how it's going to unfold and just, you know, it's the presence thing, like being in the moment and allowing things to unfold as they will. And I think we've talked about this. I don't know if we've done it on the podcast, but I know one-on-one we've talked about this whole thing of where you find this thing that works with your Mm. kid. And then the same thing happens the next day and you try it and it's like, does it work at all? Right. Well, because the reason it worked in the moment is because you are create, it was the creative inspiration, right? Like it worked in that moment for that reason, but nothing works all of the time, but everything works some of the time. Right. So that's why, like when people ask me about, um, when I was, when I was teaching kids, I became known as the teacher who would try anything because there was Mm -hmm. just really nothing that was off limits. I had all of these, this huge skill set. And so many of my teachers around me were just stuck in one way of being and um, just could not. And even, you know, a lot of them, it was like when I was teaching, it was a big push for this whole whole brain thinking and whole brain teaching and like really getting down on the level of the kid and like having a conversation and this kind of thing you see more commonly now. And I see it a lot with, um, a lot more with parents now and just a different way of relating to kids. And it came with this whole belief system around it that like, this is the way to do it. And we're going to respect kids. And this is how you talk respectfully. And it's like, I always equate this with like liberals who are just like, this is the way that you be. And you can't be any other way because it's not right. And like, we're all going to fit into our little boxes. And I just got so tired of that because one, it doesn't work all the time. Like it works. I'm, I mean, I'm totally not about disrespecting kids, but I am about being real with kids. Like that's my biggest thing with my daughters. I just want to have a real converse, like a real relationship with her, with my partner, with everybody. And like, if someone upsets me or I upset somebody else, I want them instead of just like sitting me down and doing the whole nonviolent communication thing, which really annoys me. I just want someone to be like, look, you know, you pissed in my post toasties and I don't feel good about it. And like, we got to have a conversation about this. And then I can be like, all right, cool. Like, here's my thinking. And like, let's just have an actual real conversation instead of, you know, whatever, just sitting there with our cups of tea and like, just being like having no emotional involvement in it. That's the Mm -hmm. thing is there's no emotional involvement and, but there is emotions there. Like people have Mm -hmm. emotions, kids have emotions. And so not acknowledging that there's like this whole emotional layer to it and just being like the factual evidence of like, well, this is how I felt. And this is, it just doesn't work for me. And so when I was teaching, it was, I was known for this and I was really successful as a teacher in doing this with kids. Like I would work with the kids that nobody else wanted to work with because that kind of stuff did not work with them. So, you know, kindergartners who were trying to kill each other with pencils, like, and getting suspended from school, like this, these kind of kids. And I would have great success with them because I would just be like, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to lay your life out for you. You're going to keep trying to stab people and kill them and you've only just started your life. You're going to end up in prison. Like you're going to, you know, tell just being straight up with them. And they're like, oh, well, nobody's ever talked to me like that. And just been like, you just can't do this. Like, this is just not acceptable behavior. And it would totally shift things. And kids would have more respect for me because I was just being honest and real with them. Hmm. And it's the same thing with my, my own kid. Like, you know, the conversations that we have, I don't, I don't really do the whole, that whole thing at all with her. I'm just pretty real with her like no you like you know she just came in here and I was like I'm you can't hang out with me that's just how it is like you need to go bother your dad like hang out with your dad like that's the that's the plan that we had today and I'm doing my own thing and you need to respect that and like yeah so I don't know where I was going with that but the point is I guess that I just 
I really want to have real relationships and real conversations and trust that I can handle other people's emotions or feelings and that they can handle my emotions and my feelings. And it doesn't have to be this whole like fear-based corn cob up your butt. Like I have to just like be very proper in how I'm telling you that you have offended my feelings or whatever, you know, without acknowledging that I actually have feelings. It's it, that just doesn't, I just have no interest in that or time to talk like that. <laughs> well, I think you hit on it. I mean, and I've mentioned it too earlier that it's a, it really comes down to trust. And I think we've all just been so trained out of trusting ourselves mm -hmm. that um, like if we're, we, it's that you're going to some outside source to tell you what to do in any given situation. And not that, you know, there aren't a whole bunch of parenting books that offer a lot of really helpful advice right. for challenging situations. Um, but and also like we come into parenthood, I think most of us in this country at least, or I don't know, that's, I probably shouldn't even speak generally because I have no idea, but I feel like a lot of people in my demographic come into this phase of life with bad imprints or unhelpful imprints. And so that's already somebody else's voice in your head telling you what happens in a given situation. It sets your expectations, sets your behaviors. And unless you do a lot of work to bring consciousness to it, you're just going to play out those patterns. And so then part of people's process of bringing consciousness to those subconscious programs is parenting books, is researching other ways of doing it, of trying to like improve what their parents did. And so it makes a ton of sense that we would do that. But like the next levels of that are as all things are trusting that we hold the answers within us and that it's all there and that we, you know, I do think even so trusting yourself, like part of trusting yourself is trusting like what books you might be resonate, you might resonate with and what resources come into your life, what people, what, you know, wise elders or whatever, whoever's like all those pieces are part of it, but then it's trusting ultimately that the answers of what resonates and what is the right choice for you and what your answers are that 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 you're going with the resonance that's in you and not outside of yourself it's not like oh this is the answer and i'm going to follow this step-by-step -step process and it's going to solve the whining and it's going to solve the tantrums and it's going to solve the fights and it's going to solve the teen battles like there are lots of things that will help but ultimately like each situation each relationship is unique and I have a friend here who I remember years ago because um, I, I had a lot of issues with the woman that he was like living with. Not a lot of issues. It's just we did not align and she, she kind of put, pushed some buttons. <laughs> and, um, and I just really didn't want to be like anywhere near her in her any energy field or in her space. I like never wanted to see her. And at one point he said to me, he was like, nobody guess. I, and I would, he, I would talk to him about her. And I was like, I just don't get why she's still here. I don't get why you two are still in this. Like, I don't like everything you expressed to me. It seems so clear that like she needs to get out. I don't get this. And he's like, nobody, nobody knows what 
what exists between two people, like in any relationship at all, that like you can look at a, you know, mother daughter and be like, well, this is a mother daughter relationship and it has all these characteristics and it's has this, these circumstances and this, you know, um, legacy and these ancestors and what, like you can go as big as you want with it. But ultimately those two people came into this relationship for their own specific purpose together. And whatever that dynamic is that exists between them may be representative of other dynamics that ex exist between other people and other relationships and other mother daughter relationships. You know, there are, there's a reason that these two people, for instance, would come together in a mother daughter relationship because mother daughter relationships have this structure or this way of being that facilitates this kind of growth and evolution maybe, but still the specifics of that relationship are unique to that and like will never exist in any other relationship anywhere else ever. And, and so that's something that in my relationship with my daughter, I've really had to like find some space around because I ultimately have to trust that the two of us are in this dance together for some greater purpose and that no linear way of relating to individual behaviors is ever going to achieve that purpose because that's not the point. And I may not like these things, but my not liking these things is also part of this dance and part of our evolving purpose together and why she chose me and why I agreed to this or chose her or whatever, you know, however you want to understand like what that dynamic is. Um, but it really all comes back to trust because I have to trust that there is something else much bigger outside of this that is happening that has brought us together. And the second that I go from being linear and dealing with like the three-dimensional here and now and what is happening between us and just like expand my awareness just the slightest, like there's immediately this whole world around us. And then if I expand even more, it's like, it's so obvious how small, how minute of a thing this particular interaction is in the grander purpose of like who I'm being, who my soul is wanting to expand into or become and, and like what my greatest purpose on this earth is at this time in this relationship and in my life and in all my relationships, like the going from, <laughs> going from particle to wave, Joe Dispenza is just, it's just on it. <laughs> but going from particle to wave, expanding your awareness from a, you know, fixed point to the field. Um, it just feels like, like that ability to have that trust helps me, that helps me to have trust in myself that I can handle this because I'm just, I'm drawing from a thing much greater than just my own experience of my limited being. And then also she is, and then we are, um, but yeah, you have to have, I, I guess I would, I feel, it seems like ultimately what it comes down to is the most important thing that you can ever do for yourself is cultivate trust in yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that thing too, like that we are the perfect mother for our kid. Like every parent is like the perfect parent for their kid, even mm -hmm. the shit parents. Like, and another way to put this and, and to put it into like yogic terms and the way that I've learned about this is you know, back to resonance and frequency. And so we come into, we attract souls into our life, our physical worldly life who are 
vibrating at the same frequency who, which is why it's so important before you conceive to like get right with yourself. Like I'm serious, like conception, people think, oh, you know, there's this saying peace begins with birth. Peace begins before conception, even peace begins Mm -hmm. like, you know, with you and real, yeah. And realizing like what kind of person you want to bring into this world and making sure that you're vibing at that frequency. And, you know, Yogananda talks about this in terms of karmas and, you know, he, he, he says that the thing is like with health problems or like, um, if you, and, and I, I'm going to say this and I realize that this is probably going to be triggering for some people, but just take it in. And if you don't like it, then throw it out. But, um, he says even that things like health issues or, um, things like say you're a mother who has a handicapped child, like a mentally handicapped child or something that that is that child one is handicapped because of their karmas. So something, and it's not that they did something bad. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not judgment or any of that. That's not how the system works. It is just a law that every action has an equal reaction, right? Equal and opposite reaction. So in a past life, things would have happened, like they would have lived their life in a way that when they incarnated in this life, they brought with them some sort of mental imbalance or mental disability or physical disability or whatever. And then you as the mother, if that's your child, if you um, called this child into your life, it's because there's something that resonates in your frequency and something that I've observed personally, knowing a lot of, um, like when I was growing up, I had a couple of friends whose like siblings had down syndrome or something like that. And just like seeing, like thinking about the dynamic dynamics of those families, um, one that those families could handle that situation. Like there are, I mean, I don't know that I would have the capacity to, Mm. to handle that situation. Right. So one, there's that, like just knowing that you have the frequency, the love frequency, maybe even of just being able to handle that situation. And then two, um, there would also be these other, there's also other examples where there are mothers who have handicapped children, for example, who are really coddling to these children and never really let them experience fully the life that they could experience. And just because they're handicapped doesn't mean that they can't have a full, um, a full and robust life. And um, so like, I'm thinking of an example, my best friend growing up, her brother had Down syndrome, but he was never you know, he was like in special ed classes or whatever. I think that's what they had back then. Um, just like special ed at school, but his family never treated him really any different. And so he went on to, I mean, he was just like a hoot. He was just like a riot in our town. Like he did all kinds of crazy stuff, but, um, and everybody was just, it was a hysterical all the time, but, uh, everybody just like accepted him as he was. And he was just like this person in our community that was like, you know, he would get out there. We had this huge horse statue in the middle of our town and he would get out there in his grandma's robe riding this horse statue he was a cowboy you know so he would just it was just hilarious and so it was just this great thing in our community but his but his family never treated him any different and like when he was 15 he ended up being able to drive and like he was only allowed to drive in their pasture and stuff like that but they tried to give him as many regular opportunities you know as they could and so it was great that he came into that family because that like their vibe just like worked out right where he got to really have a full life and he didn't live i think he died when he was he was probably like in his 20s or something but he had a really full life and that was great and then this other part of this is just 
um, you know, any, any situation, like any, any people that we attract into our life, we're attracting because of, of the frequency of the vibe, right? So it's, it happens in all of our relationships, which is why you see women, for example, and I used to be in this position, you see women who, um, date this same kind of guy over and over. Mm -hmm. He does like this guy that always cheats, you know, they might be different kind of guys, but they're always a cheater or the kind of guy who, um, they date the same kind of guy. Who's just like really, uh, narcissistic or something. They have the patterns like relationship patterns. And that's why, because there's a, a, a frequency that she, the woman is holding that says that, that's my worth. And like, I'm attracting that. And it's, and it's probably like a prenatal imprint. Maybe her dad was that way, or maybe it's from a past life, like something about that. It's like a self-worth thing. Right. So if you don't value yourself, you attract in people who don't value you as well. So it's, and it's the same way with our kids. Like we're just attracting souls who are vibing at the same frequency. And if we don't want to attract, that's another thing too. Like there's power in this. If we don't want to attract those people, then all we have to do is jump to a different frequency, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to change yourself and like say in like everyday, you know, common language, that's just, if you want something different, do something different. So you have to like, people know when they come off of drugs, they can't hang out with the same people. They have to completely cut off their community and go find a different community of people. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've had to do that like several times, completely cut people off and just find new people so that I could become something yeah. different because you can't hold those. You, you'll you end up, those people end up dragging you down. Like my teacher calls it crabs in a bucket, you know, like you try to get out of the bucket and the mm-hmm. crabs just pull you down. So you got to get out of the bucket and, you know, just get away from them. And um, yeah, so it's, it is, it's just, everything's just so much about frequency and and trusting to like the trust thing for me comes in with trusting that that relationship or that situation is for you. It's happening for you to mm-hmm. reveal something. So like I said, with women and their partners, for example, so you keep attracting these partners who are narcissistic or whatever, because they're trying the universe is God, whatever is trying to show you something, right? It's trying to show you that you don't value yourself. So mm-hmm. you're going to keep seeing that same movie until you turn the dial, you know, until you, until you realize that, oh, it's really about me. So that's like the great thing about stepping out of victim consciousness. Cause you learn so much quicker. You could just be like, okay, I did this. I attracted this to myself. Yeah. I don't want it anymore. So I'm going to like jump over here to this other frequency. And, and, and I mean, I've done that totally. Like my first boyfriends were insane. So <laughs> I had, I had an experience a couple of days ago. I was trying to navigate some new, um, updated policies and stuff happening with the, the worldly things. And I, as soon as I, um, saw the, the policy that had been put out, my, my whole being, my whole knowing was just, no, I'm not doing this. And it was, it was this level of clarity that like it was so clear and it was so firm that there was a part of me that jumped in that started not i guess i wasn't i wasn't questioning it and doubting myself in the way that i have in the past where i'm like well i i feel like i'm being too hard and and so i'm probably should do something else but it was just an awareness of like 
I always see both sides. I see the nuances. I can see the shades of gray in between. Like I'm, I've always had that awareness and, and because so much of my passion or my reactions to things have been sort of reactionary and like, um, you know, like in a teenager kind of like not angst, but like, you know, that energy of, of this is what I see and I feel so strongly about it and it's everything kind of way. Like when I was a teenager, that's a lot of what it was. Um, and so some, for some reason in there, I think because I didn't see that reflected in the world around me, I didn't see it reflected in other kids, the like the, um, what's the word, not the injustice, the indignity or whatever about something that was happening. And I was like, how could everyone, why is everybody okay with this? What's happening? You know, and, and seeing like nobody else was saying that. So I didn't feel like it was maybe valid. And so I learned to doubt myself and the strength of my feelings around things. Um, but I was, I think that was triggered because I, that was already part of what I needed to process through and work on as part of my life journey. Um, but so it's been interesting in this process, especially in the last year and a half of, of having a lot of really clear knowings and in, inside of myself, clear body responses, clear, just like being energy responses to what I'm witnessing and experiencing in the world. Um, and then learning how to trust that without making it a wall of like, this is true. I trust this in myself. And so I'm right. And you're wrong learning how to trust myself and hold that energy of just like clear knowing within myself without it having actually to do with anyone else or anything else, but just like, no, this is, this is my energy. This is who I am. Um, and so I had, so this, I read this updated policy and then had like a total clear response of like, nope. And then I read, you know, <laughs> read the first line and then the second line, and then it just got more and more uh, or got, in my interpretation, it got worse and worse and worse, like the further down I went. And I was like, no, absolutely not. Uh-uh, no way. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, no, no. You know, it was just like, so clear. No, no, hard stop. No. And, and so I just had that clarity. I responded to it with my, um, what I was then going to do as a result of these updates. And, um, and then afterwards it's like, okay, so yeah, I'm, I responded knowing that it was just, it just was what it was. Like I wasn't angry or faulting or whatever, but I was like, no, I'll talk to you about this, but no. And so then I ended up having a conversation with the person who had updated the policy and, um, and I, I mean, she was great and she was like, yeah, I get it. And you know, I'd love it if we could work something out. And so we're like talking it through <laughs> and, she, and she's like offering these, you know, less extreme versions of things. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. I just, nope, I can't, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. And it, it was just so clear. It was just so ridiculously clear. Yeah. And so I got off the phone and I, um, I immediately called my boyfriend because I know that his perspective on things is different. And I was like, I just want to talk to you about this. And sort of, he offered his thoughts and I was like, yeah, I and I just, I could totally see that perspective. And I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so I sort of sat with that for 
a few minutes. <laughs> I was like, this makes sense. I can see the benefits of having this perspective. I could see how if I had this perspective, it would open up all of these possibilities and these opportunities. And it was around something for my daughter. So it was like, it would offer her this, it would offer her that if I could see it from this perspective, or if I could allow for these things, if I could see the nuance here or compromise in this way or whatever it was. And the awareness of like the little parent shoulds about, you know, the things that I should do for my kid. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't ever have clarity like this. This is rock solid. Yeah. Every part of my energetics is like, no. So why do anything else? Like, yeah. So what? I mean, yeah, there's an opportunity here that would be cool. Okay. That doesn't mean I have to do it. There are no shoulds. My energy is outrageous right now. Like there's no nuance in my energy. Yeah. So I don't have to create nuance where there is no nuance. I have a clear, like clear directional from source saying, no, this is not in resonance with who you are right now in this moment and what you want to create for yourself and what you are creating for yourself right now. Yeah. And I was like, right. And the whole point of everything that I'm doing right now is to trust myself, to right. trust whatever that is, to trust whatever the energy is and know that I can't see the big picture of how this all unfolds. And I may think that I can, and I may think that I can and say, well, because I think that I can see what all this is, then I should find the nuances, do the compromise, accept these things and continue down the path that I was on. Um, because I can see that like, that's a good opportunity and blah, 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 blah. It's like, actually, that's just what my ego thinks. That's what my mind thinks. That's what I want to think because it's maybe more predictable and everything in my energetics is telling me something else. And if I don't trust that, like, that's actually like the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> and well, so that's the thing. like at what cost, like at what right. cost is this opportunity coming? Yeah. Right. And also if I don't fully, like, this is why I was bringing it up because it was like, if I don't fully accept what's happening right here in this moment, like if I don't fully acknowledge right here in this moment, like, oh, this boyfriend's a narcissist and I feel like this and blah, 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 blah. And like trusting the experience and interacting with what's happening and bringing awareness to this experience right now. The next time I come across this, I'm just going to go through the same pattern again. I'm just going to find that next narcissist boyfriend. It's like, no, if you just stop right here and you hear your body and everything in you going, no, hard stop, then it's a no. And that's yeah. all it is. And like the next time, like I'm, I totally am aware that in two weeks, bigger policies could totally change. And I'm going to have to reassess this whole thing. And just because maybe in two weeks, I decide that I actually want to compromise or I see a different nuance or I want to relate to this in a different way. Doesn't it all negate the fact that in this moment, this was the clearest choice I've had in like... I mean, one of the clearest choices I've had in the, the last like six years, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's seeing, being like you're saying, presence, being right here, fully alive in what this energy is in this moment. And it, that's why you have to go into the energy because if you go into the specifics, you're going to be blind. You're never going to see what's before you because you can't see the whole picture in just the three-dimensional details of the specifics of the circumstances. Like as soon as you get into the energy, if you tune into the energy of anything, there's so much more information there that you have access to that's going to give you way clearer guidance than anything that you can actually see, like pinpointing the details along the way to try to track it for yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like we can logic our way out of anything, right? Like we can logic our way around it. Like, well, I get the logic of this, you know, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is we're spiritual, we're spirit having this experience, right? So like Mm -hmm. we have to live from spirit. We have to live from our soul because that's the only thing we get to take with us when we leave this place, right? We don't get to take this experience out here. Like, um, you know, we don't get to take any of it. So all we get to take is like whatever, energy, whatever karma, whatever spiritual advancements we've created or had in this life, we get to take that with us, but it's all just, it's just the energy that we get to take with us. Right. So we have to do that, that thing. I kind of had like a, I had this situation too, that kind of is along those same lines where, you know, I've gotten pretty, I'm pretty okay with whatever's happening out in the world. I'm just like, I'm just, I've gotten clear, like, I'm not going to do what I'm not going to do. And, you know, I am going to do what I am going to do. And that's just how it is. And it has no, I mean, I'm like, I've said this before, I've never really been like a law follower. Like I don't just follow laws blindly. Like if it doesn't make sense to me, then I just don't do it, you know? And, um, like stopping at a stop sign in the middle of the night in the middle of the country. Like there's no freaking cars coming. Like, I'm just going to go because I want to go home because I'm tired, you know, like those kind of things. And, um, I had this conversation the other day with my partner because he, you know, all of this stuff that's happened in the world in the last year and a half or whatever has obviously challenged everybody, but his, he's kind of gone along with things more so than I have things that aren't in alignment with his beliefs or value system. And I have not. And he has, um, there's all of these repercussions now because he's done that, right? So there's all this anger that comes up because he mm-hmm. betrayed himself, right? And I don't have that because I didn't betray myself. So I've worked through all of this stuff. And so recently more of this worldly stuff is coming up, you know, and um, which I haven't really been aware of because I'm just not plugged into that. And then I find out, you know, all this stuff and I'm like, oh, that's why everybody's like going ape shit right now. And um, so he's just having like this anger come up and feeling like, what do I do? Like I need to do something. And Mm. so through this whole breaking it down with him and like listening to his experience and his, his um, perspective and all this stuff, I could just see that the whole thing was happening because he had betrayed himself. Like he's having these feelings of anger because he'd betrayed himself. And I'm like, you don't need to do anything other than listen to your intuition and don't do what you don't want to do. And so I told him, you know, everybody thinks that the revolution is going to be like war and da 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 and all this stuff or whatever. But the, really the revolution is when everybody just doesn't do what they don't want to (laughs) do. Like when everybody just says, nah, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to, because there's so many people who we talk to who are like, yeah, I know it's all BS. And then they like, you know, put their mask on or whatever, take the jab, do whatever it is that they don't believe in. And, um, it's like, you know, why? And if every, if all those people just were like, I'm just not going to do that without, you don't have to have emotional charge. You just, it's like, Mm -hmm. just turn away and do something else. And if everybody did that, then this whole other world, comes up and that's I mean if you read like how real revolutions happen it happens in that way where people just create their own structures underneath and it's happening now like permaculture is one of these structures people going back to the land is one of these structures people doing their own homeschooling or unschooling is one of these structures so as the dominant culture crumbles all these other things bubble up and like you know it takes time it takes generations and it take has taken many generations to get us to where we are as you know, in this country and in the world for sure. And um, 
Yeah. So it's going to take generations. You have to train the kids and, you know, Mm -hmm. do your work, but it's like, it doesn't have to be this, you know, and I've been there for sure, this emotional charge thing about it and really having to defend my position and really fight Mm -hmm. for the space and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really moving out of that. You know, I, I think I mentioned on here, my mentor, Donna Maria saying, the reason that you're like over there in the corner of the pool fighting is because you're in somebody else's pool. Like get mm-hmm. out of the damn pool and create your own pool. Like quit trying to fight for your little tiny corner of this shitty mm-hmm. pool that's filled with other people's shitty energy. Get yeah. your own pool. And um, I love that visual because yeah, like we all just gotta, if you don't agree with something, don't be around it. Like, why, why are we wasting our time? Like, I don't yeah. even have conversations with people who are like in my family or close around me because they're a waste of my time. Like, I just don't, I'm like, uh, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'll be polite to you and kind and whatever, but I'm just not going to have conversations with you and pretend that we're having a meaningful conversation because I know that there's no connection here. So there's just no point in pretending for me. I don't have that kind of energy, you know, um, at this point, I mean, you know, when you have a kid, it's like, you really got to choose where you put your energy. There's just not a lot to go around. So yeah, I just don't even do that stuff anymore. And I never was good at small talk, you know, like I was always the kid who would like walk up to somebody and be like, so what do you think God is? Where do you think we go when we die? Like, you know, having these intense conversations and people be like, man, you're a weirdo. Like, why are you talking about this stuff? I just met you at this party or whatever. But yeah, you just got to get in your own pool. Well, I was reading something. I don't remember what, it, why I, this ended up like as an article that I was reading on the internet. But um, this woman was talking about telling her daughter that when, you know, her younger daughter, that when she started dating, like that she wanted her daughter to recognize that, like that she was a gift that she was offering to somebody like whenever she met somebody to date and like that, that it's a request, like that that person honor and treat you with that awareness that like, that it's, you know, a blessing and a gift that you're here in their life kind of thing. And I was just thinking about that in the context of um, holding that for ourselves, that every time we interact with somebody, that that is the energy that we should hold within us of like, it is, I am gifting to you my attention and my time and my energy right now. And if you aren't willing to receive that gift, then I'm not going to give it to you. And it doesn't have to be anything like, oh, you're, you know, you got, you're a low vibe or like, you're, you know, like, oh, you're boring. or I don't want to talk to you. It's like, no, this, I am a precious gift. And if you can't see and receive that, then, then I'll just give it to somebody else or I'll hold it for myself. But I don't need to be like, wasting or giving my energy, dumping my energy out in a way that is only depleting for me and not benefiting anybody and not going anywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was like, it doesn't like, it doesn't all have to be, it's not antagonistic. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be about judgment or right or wrong or superiority or like different vibes or level or whatever it is. Like, it's just, it's a clear, owning of who we are a knowing of who we are and an honoring of of who that is and so to just recognize like in the true honoring of that 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 you know these people in this pool like it's great go do your own thing have your own pool but i'm gonna get my own because this is my energy and i want to honor what this is 
like, I don't know how people live who don't believe in God because, and it's not even like, I don't believe in God. Like God just is who don't have that experience. And I know there's lots of different ways of being a human being and, um, and all that, but just for accessing that knowing, um, that like, if you come from source, you cannot be anything but perfect as you are. And, and if you are of source, then how, and you like love, you're in this like love relationship with this loving intelligence. And if you know that that is within you and around you, then engaging with anyone who wouldn't, or in any way that wouldn't honor that, like you wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know? And, and I think really like that was one of the greatest things about this experience around this policy was that I, I had no fight. I mean, I had a moment, I had a moment when I heard about it and I was like, what, you know, cause I had sort of hoped that through the course of all of these changes in the world that like this thing would maybe hold its course. And so I was slightly surprised and taken aback. And I mean, it was so close. It was like, we we're like two days away from like this being, just being able to ride it out or it's how it seemed at least. And, and so I had that moment of like the adrenaline rush, you know, but, and then I responded and I quickly realized that, that I didn't need to have, I went through a whole process with it and realized like, I actually don't even need to have the adrenaline rush. Like there's no threat here. And so I like took my power back from that and I sort of tried to process it, you know, the way people say about how animals in the wild have adrenaline, they have the adrenaline rushes like when the prey is being chased by the lion, but you know, then they go into the shade once they know they're safe and they shake it off and then they're fine. And they don't carry that stress within them. And I was like, okay, so I don't need to carry the stress because there's actually no threat here. And so I like shifted the whole thing and realized that it was just, it's not, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't a, you're wrong. It was like, I get where everybody is and this is what it is for me. Um, and I'm just in my own pool and I'm going to stay in my own pool. I'm a, like, I think my mentor talks about it like, in, or maybe maybe it was you. I don't know. Talking about being in different lanes. Mm. Maybe it was her. But like, you can like be in a different lane. You're like, you can be in that lane. I'm gonna go in this lane. This is this is my lane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stay in my lane. Um, and I don't need to worry about any of that stuff. And like what you're saying with Sam, that that the hardest place is when you recognize that you have betrayed yourself, and maybe you've betrayed yourself over and over and over in the course of a few months, or maybe you've betrayed yourself over the course of a few years, like the longer that you do it, the harder it is to change course and to change lanes for yourself. And it's like the hardest, the hardest part is that, but then it's also like the only thing that changes it and stops that from happening. Like you can't go back and fix the past. You just have to be right here, right now and make the choice right in this moment. In this moment, I'm going to honor my energy and I'm not going to betray myself. And then in this moment, I'm going to honor my energy and not betray myself. Yeah. I was just reading, um, reading this thing that Yogananda said, he said, the difference between pride and self-respect, like, you know, we're not meant mm -hmm. to be prideful. Pride is an inflation of our ego, right? It's this mm -hmm. inflation of like what you're saying, like being better than, or I have a higher frequency or whatever. 
So we're not meant to be prideful, but we are meant to have self-respect and self-respect means honoring our soul and honoring the divine within us in each moment and always honoring that. And that means, yeah, staying in your lane and only surrounding yourself with people who are also going to honor the divine within you. And um, yeah, like I, I, I had, I've had this experience a lot with like doing consultations with people um, with herbal medicine and healthcare and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and, and when I was a massage therapist, this would happen too. like, people would be like, oh, will you get like my family or friends would be like, oh, will you give me a massage or da, 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 you know, like just want, want it for free, you know? And the same thing with herbal consultations, like people will ask me for, um, advice, but it's like, I've come to be able to realize who's going to take this advice or this, this, um, this resource that I have amassed over my lifetime and use it wisely. And those who are just going to take it and it's basically goes right into a garbage can. Right. And there are a couple of people in my life who just keep saying to me, I really want to get together with you and go through all of these herbs and like, da 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 and like really see what I need to use to turn my health around and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. Like I don't take one step towards them. I'm like, okay, you can schedule on my website. You can schedule a consultation with me and you can pay for that service because I'm not going to waste my time. And the thing is, and, and I've had this with like courses that I've done too. Like when I've, I've done a workshop and I would put, I was in this women's group. I remember, and I put on there in the women's group, Hey, I'm doing this workshop. Um, if you want to get in on it, just go here to sign up, told them exactly how to do it. And I had like most women just went and did it. And then I had a couple of women who um, messaged me back on this platform and said, yeah, hey, I'm really interested. Here's my email address, send me all the details. So it's like you, they put it back on you. You do all the work, but I'm really interested. And it's like, when people do that, you know, because I know for myself, if I want something bad enough, I'm gonna do anything to get it. Like I will do anything to get to that point. Like if it's a workshop I wanna attend, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna get the money for this, but I'm gonna do this workshop or whatever. And I will, you know, call back that person or, you know, continue touching base with that person to make it happen as opposed to being like, yeah, I really wanna take this workshop, but can you do all the work for me? You know, like, I just don't, that's another thing. Like I can't, I've learned that so much. It was a really hard lesson because I used to have this feeling of just wanting to give all this information. I have so much like knowledge in my head about healing and health and um, right ways of living. And I just wanted to like give it to everybody and just save the world. And it's exhausting. And I mean, every healer who's been doing any kind of healing work for any amount of time knows that it's exhausting and people will just suck you dry and uh, you got to cut them off the tit. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you go on and figure it out for yourself because a lot of people don't want to do the work. A lot of people don't want to do the work. They just want to say that they are going to do the work and not actually do the work because it's freaking hard and it's all yeah. the time always never ending and nobody really wants to look at themselves and be like wow i have been a big piece of shit and i don't want to be a big piece of shit i want to be my awesome self and yeah i have to first admit that i've been a piece of shit in order to be awesome <laughs> you know like yeah well i appreciate that you brought the self-respect piece back into this because i know you you'd mentioned it I don't know, months ago in one of the podcasts that Donna Maria had talked, I think it was in a podcast she talked about going, or maybe it was just us, but that she'd talked about um, 
going into a store with a mask or whatever and the whole thing about like knowing what your choice is when you walk into a store and or in any, any situation but that was the example and like when somebody says this is what you can do in this place and like what your where your line is and what you accept and what you don't and and just that that it's about having self-respect um but differentiating it from pride and i think like that's one of the pieces that i struggle the most with with my kid is that i feel the pride i feel the assault on my pride or whatever it is come up and it was something it's something i've been aware of since she was really little like walking but very much a toddler and there were moments where i would have the awareness of like this is just my pride get down on my knees get on her level and welcome her back in and and i would do that and for a long time she there was a quick turnaround and she was very receptive but um what i've realized as she's gotten older is that her ability to resist me has increased as her autonomy has increased and her skill set has increased and her verbal capacity has increased you know just her different ways all these different things um and and so my pride my what i've i've i have termed it for myself as my ego that's my way of thinking about it but that that the affronts are like multifaceted coming from all sides i'm surrounded by like all these different things these different ways that she can just kind of get at me or push against me um and that's why it's becoming so obvious how completely ineffective this whole linear approach is to dealing with behaviors and i think for so long i carried a lot of self-consciousness around her air quote bad behaviors and took them on personally and there's very much a social a socialization of like you deal with these behaviors because your child is doing this to my child and so this can't happen and we have to address these behaviors right now and it's like that's not how it works and if you read about you know like reading hunt gather parent and i haven't read much else about different ways of you know traditional ways of parenting but but just from those examples that i have read like that's not how things are addressed like it's not like oh you just did this thing shame on you we need to deal with this thing right now and even like listening to Joe Dispenza talk about, talk about how he raised his kids. He was like, he didn't deal with things in the moment. He went into their subconscious when they were falling asleep and he told them stories and offered them different problem solving opportunities in those stories so they could see like, oh, here's this thing happening, but that person didn't handle it the way I did. They handled it like this and look how well it turned out for them. And you, you know, shifting the way of being in different ways so it's the non-linear feminine approach of going into the energy of it and working with it in a different way but when your child has so many air quote bad behaviors and you want you feel you know then you're up against the the societal pressures to fix these things now or the shaming of the other parents or like you don't want your kid to hurt another kid or you don't want your kid to be yelling and fighting in public with these other kids whatever it is you know like you don't actually like these behaviors um but recognizing that really even what all of that is is an ego trigger it's a pride trigger it's like i feel ashamed in public that this is happening i feel ashamed that my child is treating this child like this and you know just all the it's it's all ego stories it's all ego triggering and if you can shift it out of that come back to respecting yourself in the moment 
and like what actually needs to be dealt with in that moment and respecting your child too, then you probably have a lot more success. At least that's what I'm <laughs> hoping because now I'm constantly like, I'm constantly in the, the environment with my boyfriend and his kids and seeing those triggers come up. But I think it helps that he's a man. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's a man and he does things differently. And I don't really understand how he does things because he's a man and I'm right. not a man. And I just, I like just realized that like, I have no idea about men at all because I had yeah. like no functional relationship with my brother or with my dad really. I mean like some, but it's just also been so long, like since my dad passed, but like, I haven't really had, and, like I've had a lot of boyfriends, but still, I was so, yeah. I, yeah, it was different. And I was like always projecting things and like in all of my unconscious patterns and like, couldn't just take it in like, oh, you're a dude and this is what you do. And this is yeah. how you are. And this is, you're like a different kind of being than I am. And that's okay. Because I also didn't know myself and I couldn't honor myself as a woman. So, so now I'm like, okay, well, he's just a man and he has his own way of doing things. And I don't have to do things the way he does things. And so I can do things this way. And if he thinks that's weird or he judges me or whatever, which he's not doing, because uh, those are all projections, but like, yeah. it's like, it's okay. And I can just work with this and let it go and trust that I'm working with my divine feminine and like the energetics yeah. of all this and it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. It's totally legit. I mean, that there's that book, whatever it's called, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, where yeah. I've never read that, but like love the title because yeah, it's like, we really are from two different planets. <laughs> One thing I wanted to add to what you were saying about like, you know, the kid thing and like having all these feelings around like, or all these experiences around how we deal with our kids in public and how they interact with other people. It's like, we also are living in this dominant culture that is like, you're the mother or you're the parent and it's your responsibility to handle your kid, right? Mm -hmm. And of course that's true on some level. And also it's true that other people can handle our kid too. Like if, so I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's too much pressure for me. Like what I've been realizing is when my daughter and I go out in public, so here's an example. So we just, there's this huge garage sale that happens on this highway that's near here every year. And all the people along it, it's like a, it's like my favorite thing in the world. It's like all the people for like, from, I think it's from like West Virginia or something all the way to Michigan on this highway. Like everybody has a garage sale and it's great. So, and this highway runs near my house. And so we always go there. So I'm at this thing and, um, we go to the first house and this woman comes up to my daughter and she has this doll that she made when she was a kid. And it's a doll of Martha Washington. It's like kind of hilarious. It's like, so such a weird, creepy doll, but she made it when she was a kid. And she asked my daughter if she wanted, she said, I made this when I was a kid and told her the whole story It was very sweet. And she asked my daughter if she wanted it. And my daughter was like, yeah, I'll take that or whatever. And so that started this whole thing where every time we would go to a house, my daughter would be like, do you have, and I mean, I was glad she wasn't asking for like, can I have all of this stuff, you know, but she was like, do you have any flowers that I could pick? I would like a purple flower and a pink flower because she's very into picking flowers. And so, and immediately, you know, I went into this thing of like, oh God, stop asking for stuff or, you know, don't be a burden, whatever. And I just like caught myself and was like, no, I'm going to let these people deal with it. If they don't want to give her flowers, if they don't want to interact with her, if they're not kid people, whatever she needs, cause she needs to have that interaction too, of like, not everything is given to you. And, um, 
I remember watching this with one of my best friends, her daughter too. People used to give her stuff all the time. And so she started expecting it that when she would go places and she would like bait people, she'd be like, well, I really like this. Wouldn't it look nice on my wrist? <laughs> like, don't you want to give it to me? Um, and so I just want my daughter to have real interactions with people. Yeah. Where, and so um, people kept giving her flowers and all this stuff. And she would talk to people about their cats. And it was just really cool to watch her. And then we got to one house where there was this, this woman and she was a grandmother. She talked about her grandkids. And um, my daughter asked her, she, she was, first she was holding this breakable thing. And I trust my daughter to hold breakable stuff in public. Like, you know, I just tell her to be careful and it's not like a big deal or whatever. I'm not one of those moms. It's like, don't touch anything. Um, so she's holding this breakable thing. And the woman comes over and is like really freaked out that she's holding this breakable like Christmas ornament or whatever, you know. And uh, instead of me being like, you know, put that down, I just let the woman handle the situation. And she was just like, I'm just, I really, how, how about we just put this down? I, I really, I really just don't want it to get broken. You know, I'm really just worried it's going to get broken. And my daughter was like, well, I'm not going to break it. And she's like, yeah, yeah. You know, she went through her whole nervous thing and they worked it out. And then my daughter asked her if she could, if she had any flowers that she could have. And the woman was already very kerfluffled about this thing that she had been holding. And she was just like, oh, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I have flowers, but I don't know if any of them are ready to pick yet. And, you know, I could see her just kind of being amped. And then also I saw the woman like regulate herself and be like, okay, this is a kid. All right. And so she told my daughter, well, let's go walk over here and see if there's any flowers that are ready. And then it was like, great, because the woman was like, I'll pick you two flowers that you can have. Like, you can't pick my flowers, but I'll give you two flowers and you can have these flowers. And so it was a really awkward, but real exchange. And I was so glad that I didn't get involved in it because I was like feeling, you know, I'm pretty empathic. So I'm like feeling all of the energy and I was like, oh God, like was like, oh, I can't, I don't want to be involved in this, you know, like just give her the fucking flowers, man. <laughs> and uh, so I, and I, but that's the thing, like going back to what you're talking about is like, we have to let other people and our kids have these real interactions. And so like, and it's hard too to have this because we feel like we have to be the one to like regulate everything as the parent. But the truth of the matter is our kid is a human being and they're living in this world. And how are they going to learn what makes other people, I don't know what makes other people happy or unhappy. Like mm -hmm. I'm one person. And so all I can do is teach her about how to interact with me and like how we do things. And so we really, it's, I don't know. It's just so helpful to allow other people and my daughter to figure their own stuff out and to not and I mean I've always been that way with kids like for the most part just like set back and let them figure things out unless it gets you know super bad or something but um yeah I don't I, I think there's too just too much pressure on moms definitely but just to parents to um to regulate everything and then also this thing happens where people are like victimized because your kid is being a human and like doing stuff and like touching things like experiencing the world by putting things in their mouth or whatever and people are like oh my god like do something about your kid and it's like mm -hmm. well you do something about it because you're the one that's bothered by it and like it's not my deal like she's just living her life like you mm -hmm. need to step up and not be a victim and just say like I don't want you know, like I say this like 20, 20 times a day to my kid. Like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. Like you go do yeah. something else, you know? So yeah, it's both, it's both. And it's both sides that we all just got to take responsibility for ourselves and just yeah be in the moment and deal with the moment as it comes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like codependence with the entire world that we've taken, like we as parents are all aware of the expectation that other people have around us with our children. And so then we step up and we say, 
well, I know that this is my kid and you don't want to deal with this thing with my kid or, you know, you look at it as my responsibility. So I'm going to step in and take it as my responsibility when really all three of us would be better off if you stepped up as the adult in this situation, because you're the one that's having a direct experience here with my kid in this situation. And I'm just over here doing my thing. Um, but like part of that woman's experience was probably like, oh, the mom should be doing something. Why isn't she doing something? I don't know what to do right now. And it's like, we all need that experience. Like that was a benefit for her too, and your kid and you, because then like, I, re I realized that as soon as I got, like I've been, I've been aware that I, I really felt the entire burden of the responsibility of parenting my daughter as being on my shoulders. And in a lot of ways it was, it has been, and that's also been my way of handling it. Um, and I realized like, as soon as I got connected to a community that recognized that we can sort of like co-parent all of our kids in a way like that we can all share the responsibilities when we're all gathered together um it made such a difference in my feeling of being held and supported and realized like i actually don't have to do all of this myself and it, it was like a safe space to be able to practice like letting somebody else take the reins in in a situation with my kid and like the way our society is structured where we have daycare or we have school or we have camp or whatever it is where it's like these are the set structures in which you can pass off your responsibility of this kid to somebody else and they will take full 100 percent responsibility for this kid versus like being at a playground and all the parents hang out and all the kids play and then whichever parent is closest when that kid falls goes over and helps that kid or whatever parent is closest when these two kids start fighting or whatever it is you know that that it's recognized that we are all um, able to interact with other people's kids and, and like, it's okay, but we, I don't know. I feel like this is a whole other conversation, but there was just one last comment I wanted to make about it, that in that book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, one of the women in one of the communities makes a comment about how, um, and she's like, she's a single mom, she's got multiple kids and, and then she still is like, parenting other people's kids as it happens and she said they're not all our kids but we love them all as if they're all our kids and like that's your whole community and it's not just your five friends and their kids it's like your whole community and i mean what a difference if that were the perspective of everybody say like in your town that when you go to the playground that you can interact with other people's kids in that way because I think we all get very protective of our kids too, because we're like, well, I want to do it this way. And I don't like how you're doing it. You know, we all get very controlling and protective about it. Whereas again, if we go into the energetics of it and see like, oh, here's a, here's another person entering into this field to help support in this situation. And then our kids will also remain open to and able to trust other people and learn like, like you're saying, how to interact with different ways of being, different ways of doing, different ways of um, relating. And then the world will be such a better place. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah, there you go. And on that note, I think that's a good place to stop. So yes, for sure. Agree with it all. Well, thank you for listening to this conversation between women. And we'll be back next month with another titillating conversation. <laughs> and I did, I wanted to tell everybody, I'll put it in the show notes that I set up a, 
an email address for us. So it'll be easier for you to connect with us. If you want to email us at between at protonmail.com, we would love to hear from you to hear what you think about the show, to hear how it resonates with you and,